show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Transparent acquiring 98.6's virtual care platform and customer base. What does it say for the self-insured employer market, and what can we learn from how these two digital-first startups are approaching primary care? I'll talk about that. Then I'm pleased to welcome Andy Auerbach from Safe Ride Health to discuss how access, availability, and reliability all play a role in the member experience. We dive into how Safe Ride partners with Lyft and other rideshare services to provide non-emergency transportation to health plan members and how it decreases no-show rates and call center volumes. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Transparent is looking to combine the forces of two solutions aimed at simplifying primary care for employers. On March 6th, Transparent announced that it's acquiring portions of virtual primary care company 98.6. Transparent is buying their virtual care platform and clinical customer base of 3.5 million people. So who is Transparent? They connect patients to a text-based conversation with a provider in under 60 seconds for their customers in the self-insured employer market. The idea behind them, according to Forbes, is to reduce the bureaucratic nightmare of finding doctors and getting high-quality care with a one-stop shop. It lets users talk to a primary care doctor and order prescriptions through an app, or it can help them set up in-home care. It also shepherds them through surgeries or complex care such as cancer treatment. Some of their customers are fully at risk, meaning Transparent only gets paid if it helps the employer lower its overall health care costs. Other customers pay monthly rates for its services. They already offered 24-7 access to a doctor, but they previously used third-party contractors, so this acquisition brings things in-house. They'll now be using 98.6's software and physician group to offer near-instantaneous text-based care to patients. It also more than doubles Transparent's user base. Prior to the deal, they had around 1 million members. CEO Glenn Tolman is the former founder and CEO of Lavongo, and prior to that, the CEO of Allscripts. So I'm paying attention to his vision. According to Modern Healthcare, he expressed confidence that 98.6's user experience will improve with the deal. He said 98.6 had the best front-end texting clinical app that they researched in the buying process, and now adding Transparent's capabilities could take the service to the next level. All 98.6 can do right now is throw people back into the existing broken system, he said. With us, every one of their clients is now going to be offered our full suite without having to make any changes. Now, there's been a lot of interest in the fact that 98.6 is retaining part of its business and will license its tech platform to third-party health systems. People love to speculate whether these disruptors will succeed or fail, but from the consumer's point of view, I don't know that that's the best question to ask. We're here to share the vision of these disruptors in order to give leaders of healthcare organizations everywhere a better idea of what's being offered and how it's working. Those questions are much greater interest to me. So is this a consumer-first health service and can it work? This one's pretty much a no-brainer and definitely a yes on both accounts.
accounts. Think about it. Consumer experience? Check. They'll now be using 98.6's AI-based platform to make a more connected experience. And while some consider the self-insured employer market to be particularly challenging, I think more innovative competition only provides more access. Tech architecture? Check. These are bleeding-edge platforms that look like they'll play well together and hopefully not get in the way. Business model? Also a check. I'm a big fan of full-risk contracting because it aligns incentives around keeping people healthy, not keeping them in the hospital. And marketing? Mostly a check. As with many other primary care startups, they face the resistance of traditional health systems and clinicians that can be immediately dismissive. So I feel like they'll have their work cut out for them as they look to bend their growth curve even faster. But for now, Transparent seems to have a bright future ahead, and that means consumers win. Let's cheer every move that leads to a simpler consumer experience. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the Flava of the Week. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. I'm really excited about this. Give it up for Andy Auerbach. Andy is the Chief Revenue Officer at Safe Ride Health. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, let's give our listeners a little bit more about Andy. Uh, tell, tell us about yourself. What did I miss in your bio? What else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? Uh, thanks, Jared. Well, I'm Andy Auerbach. As you've already said, I've been at Safe Ride for a little over five and a half years. Uh, Safe Ride's been in business for about six and a half years. So I've been around for most of that time. I joined SafeRide without a background in healthcare. I actually come from enterprise technology. So this was certainly a new frontier for me, getting into healthcare, but not so much from the enterprise technology side of things. It's been a a really exciting five and a half years for us. Uh, It ended up being a a great career choice to get into the healthcare side of enterprise technology. And uh, here we are five and a half years later, and I can't picture myself doing anything else. Yeah. Do you remember any of those initial observations as you were getting into healthcare about like what was different? Either it might have been in a good way, might have been in a challenging way. But do you recall any of those like initial things? Like, oh, that's how that's how healthcare is. I remember thinking, what have I done? <laughs> On more than one occasion, I think probably the biggest surprise to me was that there is an entire language that's spoken by people in healthcare that is unique to healthcare. So just learning the terminology and the nomenclature. I think probably took me two solid years, and I'm pretty sure I still get things wrong every day. But I think that was probably the biggest uh, eye opener for me. What about uh, your your career in general? I know a lot of people are just going on career journeys right now. Is there a piece of career advice that you could share with people? Just something that you've heard or been shared with you along the way that stuck with you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I started my career on the sales side of things before ultimately becoming a chief revenue officer kind of working my way up. I think the best career advice that I've gotten is no career is linear. And don't be afraid of trying new things. Don't be afraid of jumping from one industry to another. You may have to take certain steps back in your career to ultimately get to where you want to be. And the one thing that you can always control is your own personal brand. You can always control the integrity with which you operate. You can always control your honesty. You can always control how you communicate with clients. And those are things that regardless of the space that you're in, you can always control. So even if you're learning a new skill or you're learning a new industry, focusing on what you can control, which is that personal brand that you'll always represent, regardless of what company you work for, is something that you can begin to develop very early in your career and will only help you as you become more and more senior in your career. 
Well, it's certainly been the case for for myself and a lot of people that I am aware of that has been anything but linear. So I think that's spot on. So I'd love to dig in a little bit here on Safe Ride Health. I know some of our listeners will be familiar, but maybe not others. Can you give us just a, a quick layperson's understanding of of what you're all about and what problems are you looking to solve? Yeah, it's a great question. And very simply, we're trying to solve the problem of delivering transportation within healthcare. For most lay people, they may not understand how much transportation, and this is specifically non-emergency transportation, is delivered every day within healthcare. Millions and millions of rides are delivered every year in a non-emergent capacity within healthcare. There's roughly $10 billion spent in our healthcare system every year on non-emergency transportation. Safe Rides looking to improve the efficiency of how non-emergency transportation is delivered as a benefit to those health insurance members across the country that are entitled to a transportation benefit. And what hopefully we'll talk about as this podcast goes on is how many more every year are being afforded a transportation benefit for non-emergent reasons. And what we try to do is take a technology-first approach to solving what has been a very challenging benefit to deliver across the entire care continuum. So we've built out an enterprise platform from the ground up that connects demand with supply to create a much more efficient network for delivering both scheduled and on-demand non-emergent transportation to the millions and millions of patients and members across the country that have access to the benefit today. So are you partnering with other networks? Are you partnering with other types of organizations, most commonly to on the supply side, I guess? Who's most often in the network? Like who's who's going to be providing the transportation? Hey, great question. So we bring together a network of non-emergency transportation suppliers from across the country, focusing on different modalities of transportation. In total, we have over a thousand transportation partners within our network, including all of the leading rideshare providers. Our modes of transportation that we cover go up to lights-off ambulance transportation, and we have everything in between that and rideshare integrated into our network in all of the markets where we're live, so we can deliver a truly comprehensive network for all different modalities to the clients that we serve. Let's just start with that. Like, What what role does transportation play? Yeah, it's a great question. And there's three primary ways that I would answer that. Access availability, and reliability. Let's talk about access first. So for far too long, the only way that a member could access their transportation benefit was by calling into a call center, which were managed by by transportation brokers with whom we compete. And they generally had to call into that call center to schedule a ride 24 to 48 hours, if not longer, ahead of when they actually needed that ride. Now, that's an experience that doesn't make sense for an increasing number of members who want to be able to self-service, who have become used to using the Uber and the Lyfts of the world to receive on-demand transportation through their mobile device. It's every year that goes on where that's the norm for how members access an NEMT benefit. That becomes more and more disjointed from the consumer experience for receiving transportation. So one of the things that we're primarily trying to do is bring access closer in line with the consumer market for receiving transportation. We want members to be able to schedule transportation both in advance and in an on-demand model. Furthermore, we want to give them more points of access than just calling into a call center through 
mobile devices, through desktop devices, and through integration into care coordination platforms so transportation can actually be requested from their care provider on behalf of the member if they need to do so. So it's both bringing the availability of transportation into that more real-time model while also increasing the number of channels that members have access to to actually schedule the ride. One of the key points that we always make is around digitization of the network. So this is something that's existed in Rideshare for quite some time, where as a consumer, you have real-time visibility into where your ride is as it's on the way to pick you up and then throughout the journey. We want to bring that same real-time monitoring experience to NEMT. So the biggest difference between SafeRide and a lot of our competitors is that the drivers in the networks outside of rideshares, these are the thousands of NEMT providers we partner with, all also carry the SafeRide driver app in their vehicles. So we have real-time GPS data on all the vehicles in our network, including both rideshare and NEMT modalities of transportation. So not only does that allow us to dispatch rides in real time, creating that on-demand experience, but it also leads to an improvement in that last point I made, which is around reliability. When you have the ability to see how every vehicle in the network is performing in real time, it allows you to take more real-time interventions to solve the multitude of issues that go on with any scaled transportation program on a day-to-day basis. Member can't find the driver. Driver is running 10 minutes late. These are the type of issues when you have real-time visibility you can actually step in and triage before it leads to a missed ride. Our competitors don't have that. So you often find out only about missed rides at the end of the day or even at the end of the month when you get to a reporting period that shows all the missed rides during that. So to summarize, it's access, availability, and reliability that we really develop our product around. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Consumer demands, disruptive technologies, and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On the Hello Healthcare podcast, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. These stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Learn more at hellohealthcare.com. And now, back to the show. sounds like those are all parts of delivering a seamless experience and having it be part of either a member experience, you know, something that's initiated by the member or the consumer somewhere else where they don't have to think, okay, now, you know, like now I'm going to go over to Safe Ride Health. I imagine there's a part of the journey where they either cut over to your application or it's integrated elsewhere. How do you make that a seamless part of the experience, especially for those who, who just aren't even aware that it's a benefit? And it starts with partnership with our health plans in making sure we're creating the right awareness around the benefit, making sure members understand that they have access to this benefit, and then helping to educate them on the different ways that they can access it. And I think you mentioned a really important point about the integration, the technology integration. So everything that we do from a platform perspective is API-based. So we can integrate the transportation scheduling experience into a health plan's existing member application or into their case or care management platform. So that if you think about when transportation is so often identified, it's or the need for it is so often identified, it's when the member is scheduling an appointment 
or when the member is seeking a referral to a specialist. We want transportation to be scheduled right then and there where the need is identified, instead of, to your point, having to redirect that member to a very disjointed third-party call center experience. So our goal is through those APIs to ultimately integrate the ability to schedule transportation, not just into member-facing applications, so members can control their own benefit, but also into care management and case management applications. So often those complex case management teams and others that are identifying the need can also schedule a ride right then and there without having to send the member down a different path. Well, I think that's that's the right road to go down. I mean, when we think about it from the user's standpoint, that's reducing a lot of friction and that no doubt leads to better usage, better utilization of the service itself. So we're all used to a, a reduced number of steps, I guess, when we always compare things to Amazon, right? But what that's taught us is we need to pay attention to consumers' expectations for how easy it is to engage with something and that will make a difference in how much they use it. And we couldn't always take that for granted that people were going to look at it that way. And I think that's that's an important piece of this. Let's uh, get into the rideshare side of this because I, I think this is curious. There's some data from Lyft that showed that Safe Ride Health uh, helped decrease no-show rates by 63%, I believe it was, and reduced call center volumes by 30% with rideshare benefits. I was wondering how that worked and, and like who pays for it and how do you creates such a great benefit. It gets back to the point I made earlier about intervention, right? Having visibility into what's going on with your network at all times is only valuable if you have a team that's watching it and can actually step in and take intervention when there's something to be solved for. So I think that's what primarily led to those incredible figures that you just quoted. Is when somebody's actually watching the rideshare network and somebody's actually stepping in to contact members and contact transportation providers when they're having trouble connecting, you can significantly reduce the number of no-shows. And that's so important in rideshare because as we all know, and we've all done this in our own lives, if you miss that five-minute window when the driver is waiting for you, they're not going to come back and pick you up. So often you have a very limited window to help the member connect with their driver so that they can actually have a completed ride. And it's those proactive interventions that we take to make sure the member can find that driver that very simply lead to that massive reduction in cancellation and no-shows. Got it. Got it. That's that's fantastic. Well, I know and kind of related to that, you're experiencing tremendous growth right now. And and Rideshare seems to be part of that. I, I understand Safe Ride recently announced the launch of 19 new Medicare Advantage partnerships and growth in six new markets. So I'm curious, like, what's leading to the company's growth? Is it more people understanding this benefit? Is it improvement on the service itself? I'm just curious, like, from your standpoint, what's leading to all this growth? Look, the best way to grow is to perform. And, you know, we've been lucky enough to work with some incredible clients over the last three or four years that we've delivered an amazing experience for. And healthcare is a pretty small world, as you well know. And uh, word got out that SafeRide was delivering a, a really unique and differentiated benefit for non-emergency transportation. So I think we've both seen expansion within some of our, our core enterprise payer portfolios, but also with new MA plans that see tremendous alignment between our vision and the plan's overall vision for member experience and how supplemental benefits are delivered as part of the overall 
course of care for a member. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's, there's not a silver bullet. It's really just about developing a product with incredibly close thought leadership and partnership from our clients. We have probably more touch points between our executives and the executives of the payers we serve than most vendors do. And that's what drives our product roadmap. That's what drives our research and development investment. It's hearing directly from the clients we work with as to what they need and how this benefit fits into their broader benefit delivery strategy. It makes so much sense. There's almost like an, an enlightening or an awakening within the industry of, yeah, this was one reason why care wasn't happening. And here's here's a way to go about that. That's great. Uh, I know a da- another data point that, that I came across recently was about just the need. You know, if we focus again on the challenge, the problem to solve, the need out there, there was a report that estimated that 14%, so one out of eight seniors in the U.S. was was not did not have adequate access to non-emergency care. How does a payer, for instance, take a data point like that and partner with SafeRide and they address this disparity? How does that work? The good news is we're moving in the right direction. So to take a macro perspective for a second, in Medicare Advantage, we're and I'll focus specifically on Medicare Advantage because Medicaid has long had a mandated NEMT benefit. But for Medicare Advantage specifically, we're seeing this move in the right direction. According to CMS data, the number of Medicare Advantage plans offering a transportation benefit as part of SSBCI is up 27% year over year. There's now 478 Medicare Advantage plans that offer a supplemental NEMT benefit across 45 states. Now, is that ultimately where we want to go? No, we think every Medicare Advantage plan should have a transportation benefit of some kind. We don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach. So what works for one population might not work for another. And I think that's what we're so focused on right now is working with our partners to allow them to create really personalized, really targeted NEMT benefits to address the specific transportation needs of the population they serve or the subpopulation that they're setting up a benefit for. So this is moving in the right direction. And I think it's in large part because of the type of data that you just quoted. Seniors are telling us what they need. They're telling us what their biggest social barriers are, transportation being one of those. All we have to do is listen. And I really do think you're seeing the broader MA world start to listen. I hope so. <laughs> I hope that's really what this is indicative of, is that we're finally taking the time to do that. That's fantastic. Now, along those lines, when I hear conversations in the industry about social determinants at all, there's a lot of different reactions to it. Some people can feel a little helpless. They, they're just not sure what they can do. Uh, the more that they learn about disparities in care and inequities, they're like, these things are so widespread. They're so systemic. What can I do? And yet, here's SafeRide delivering on and attempting to to address very specific determinant, a driver of health, if you will. What do you tell somebody who feels that way, who who understands the problem now? We've had this awakening in the industry, it feels like, but now they're like, I'm not sure what I can do. You know, I, I just feel a little overwhelmed with it. What, what do you tell somebody who feels that way? It's an easy one for me to answer from SafeRide's perspective, because we very intentionally have stayed focused only on transportation. There's a lot of shiny objects in healthcare. And we could have very easily gone down the path of trying to take on, using our technology, more than just the delivery of transportation. We could have looked at all these other tangential benefits that maybe we could play in the space with. We decided not to do that explicitly because we know that 
we're experts in delivering a better transportation benefit at scale. If we can do that, we've moved the needle just a little bit. We're not trying to take on too much. We're just trying to do what we can within transportation. And I think for health plans, especially with more and more vendors like SafeRide, that are taking a truly interoperable stance to product development, you don't have to choose one vendor. You can work with best-in-class vendors across all the different social benefits that you're delivering and expect integration. Expect that they will be able to work together. Expect that data can be shared effectively between platforms. Are we there yet? No. But I think there's more and more vendors like SafeRide across the benefit spectrum that are approaching things with that technology-first mindset, they really do give health plans the ability to choose best-in-class, technology-first vendors across a whole host of categories that perhaps they didn't have that choice in five or six years ago. Got it. That's great because it's focusing on the solution or at least progress that we're making. And that makes a lot of sense in terms of being able to address any feeling of being overwhelmed or or not knowing where to plug into that. So that's that's perfect. We talked about this kind of awakening or enlightening that's kind of happening in the industry. Conversations are definitely changing about what a consumer or a member, how do we focus on their needs? How do we address those? How do we design better experiences around those needs? I'm wondering if you could just give us a reality check about what's possible like what could be our destination and what progress could we realistically expect in the next one to two years? Like on a short term, that sounds pretty short and it, it really is. But, you know, we want to see like what are some of those next steps or where could all this be getting us in the next couple of years? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, timeframes in healthcare are always a bit longer than any other space. And so one to two years is the blink of an eye. But I think there's some things that are already happening that are really encouraging. And the first is, the laser focus on member experience that we're seeing. And it really started in Medicare Advantage in the commercial space, but we're now seeing it in Medicaid as well, or perhaps we didn't see it a few years ago. Look, a study by McKinsey showed that MA plans with a four-star rating of or higher achieved double the enrollment of those with lower than a four-star rating. And everyone, everyone gets that. And I think what we're doing now is we're seeing, we're hearing from members what they need, and we're being a little bit more responsive to it. So the broader theme that like, everyone's talking about this is consumerization of healthcare. And what that really means for us is giving members more control over the experience that they get. Some members are always going to want that call center experience where they can call and talk to a rep and get some advising on how to access the benefit. Others will want a self-service tool where they can schedule their own ride in the same way that they schedule an Uber or Lyft today. Others will want to schedule the ride through their care provider or delegate that scheduling to their care provider. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. And I think, to me, that's what the consumerization of healthcare really means. It's not driving members down one particular path that's good for the health plan, but giving them multiple different paths that's good for the member. And it's that paradigm shift that I think is going to be at the forefront of every discussion in MA, but more broadly, for the next one to two years. And one of the most encouraging things that we're seeing specific to transportation is more and more within Medicaid, we're seeing a requirement or we will soon see a requirement for all transportation that's delivered and reimbursable to Medicaid to have real-time GPS tracking. And that's been part of our model since the beginning. And allowing for that type of visibility or requiring that type of visibility in Medicaid 
is going to lead to the same type of improvement in member experience that we've seen in Medicare Advantage if Medicaid agencies can actually follow through with that and really require their brokers to deliver a truly GPS-enabled network. That allows us to go back and really focus on delivering access, availability, and reliability in Medicaid, where we have in Medicare Advantage for so long. Well, that's a perfect place for us to wrap up here. That's a wrap for this episode. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Andy Auerbach from Safe Ride Health. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, Jared, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.